I'm Audra. And I'm Sadie. And we are former English lit majors and sisters who miss reading and discussing literature with fellow lit nerds. And we created this podcast to discuss literature fueled by libations. So pick your poison and join us each week to discuss all the queries and views unearthed in great books. And support your local bookstore. Welcome everybody to Lit and Libations. Hi, Sadie. Hi, Audra. Uh, so we were kind of a couple days late on this. Our apologies, but I got the COVID um, and it was not great. Yeah. I'm luckier than most, but it was not pleasant. I had a like vice around my head for three days. It was just awful. So I oh. even was going to, we were going to maybe record last night, but I'm glad we didn't because I still was not better, but I feel hundred percent now. All good. I think so. that's. I think that you feel so much better out of sheer will power. I am kind like, of willing I, it. I, <laughs> if I, I, kind I of were you, it. I, if I were you, I'd still be in bed. But at this point, like you look and sound completely normal, and I just I'm think over you being have such in will. my house and in bed, and I I can't. There's too much that needed to be done. Those are like my I'm, favorite I places can't. to be. I can't relate. Really, like home and bed, favorite place. Like. Give me there every it's, day. It's one thing when it's your choice. That's true. It's another thing when it's like, one, I don't feel well, and two, I like shouldn't leave the house. Like, no, even that's if I did feel well. That's so I don't true. want to infect people. So it is, I agree. I definitely have started to really appreciate, especially my downtime, lounge time, but when it's not your choice. Well, when you're not feeling well, it's not really lounge time. I was thinking about this. I got the flu no. like a few weeks ago, and I literally like took a full week of work off I took like Monday afternoon I think I left like at like one o'clock or something because I started feeling really sick and then yeah I took Tuesday through Friday off and so I got a whole week off basically and I'm like well I don't feel rested I don't feel like (laughs) I was literally sleeping like 18 hours a day but I was so (laughs) sick that I like it wasn't fun for me I couldn't read I couldn't like because it hurt to look at the page my headache was so bad and I couldn't watch like my favorite shows because just the sound and the light like was just so bad so I literally just like laid there and looked at the ceiling except for the moments when I was sleeping or snuggling my cat it's awful being sick's the worst it is it's not fun so I'm glad I'm glad you're feeling better I'm glad we're here yeah Thank you. Yes. Happy, happy to be here. And I'm really excited to talk about Narcopolis and finish up our discussion because I really did love this novel. Um, but before we get into that, so we are going to take a week off mm-hmm. after this episode. Um, I will be um, in Las Vegas with my husband uh, promoting apostate cigars, beehive cigars. Uh, so we will be there. So we're going to have to, we'll catch up after a week. Um, and then we'll be discussing... Uh, Sadie, do you want to remind everybody what our next book is? Yes. So our next book is The Mothers by Britt Bennett. Um, And it's a a relatively, it's a pretty short book, I would say. Um, But what we're going to do, because we're taking the week off, is we're still going to kind of operate based off of almost like we had used that week. And so we're going to discuss the entire book. And we're probably just going to do one extra long episode. episode. Yeah. 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 Just supersized. Yeah. and I think it'll work better anyway because it's I, – I would yeah. appreciate not having to split the book up. We kind of were talking about that. We do actually prep for these things sometimes. Um, <laughs> so we we decided that works good. Yeah, so week off and then one supersized episode on The Mothers, which 
I'm already almost done with, mm-hmm. and it's I'm enjoying it so much, and I'm very excited to talk about it, and I'm getting all sorts of feels and conflicting thoughts, and I mm-hmm. can't wait to like work all that out uh, mm-hmm. in talking about it. So totally recommend. Great. What? And then you also have the next book for us picked out, right? Yes. So after our supersized episode of The Mothers, we're going to move on to it's a novel called Woman of Light by Kali Fajardo Anstein, uh, K-A-L-I. Uh, we'll post it up on the gram. Um, she wrote a short story collection called Sabrina and Karina, which I loved, considered for the podcast, but we'd kind of already done enough short story collections at the time. Um, set in Denver, uh, this novel is set in Denver in the 1930s and, uh, kind of just all about her, like Chicano heritage and the story, the short stories were kind of based on that too. And I just loved it. So Mm -hmm. interesting to me, haven't read anything like it before and really just, she's a great writer. So I'm really excited about this novel and this is her first novel, um, just came out. So that will be our next one. And that'll probably take two. It's not a huge, huge novel, mm-hmm. but, um, I, th- I just think that there's going to be enough. It's like 300, 300 pages ish. So I just think that there's going to be enough for us that will take the two episodes yeah. for sure. That's, that's my plan anyway. So yeah, go pick up those copy, those books, um, from your local bookstore, bookshop.org as soon as you can. So you can follow along and listen. I'm really excited about We've been on like yeah. a good book roll. Hell like, yeah. We haven't hit a Maidens. We haven't even hit like Oh my a, gosh. I don't think we'll eh, ever. I don't know. Like, I don't think we'll ever hit another Maidens. But even like, I just feel like since we did Book of Form and Emptiness, which we're very mm, about, um, I feel like we've been on a real roll. A yeah, real yeah. roll. Even, yeah, we haven't even had like an eh. But oh, I got so like viscerally angry the other <gasps> night because I was sick and I was taking a bath. It's like the only time I was getting relief and I'm kind of mindlessly scrolling a little bit through Instagram. And I came across this reel of some page, which no judgment. It's good that everybody just reads. But it was like some five best books of the summer. Like, I don't know, something about top books, something praising books. And the Maidens was like one of the ones they plopped down. And I'm like, stop, stop making it. It's not a good book. And I'm instantly judging you and your taste. I think this is, so this is my theory. Like, I don't know if that is like a a regular like book talk, bookstagram creator or something like that they're like have any kind of base or whatever. But what I think is, is that the Maidens had such a good PR campaign. I got pulled into Mm. it. I truly did. I think, I don't think half the people that are recommending that book on Instagram or on anywhere else has like even read it. I think they're being paid to do it because, or like they were given the book for free or something, or they literally just liked the cover because I think it's a terrible book. I just, I just just, think it's PR. I just think it's PR. Do you think like book influencers make, what kind of figures do you think they make compared to like fashion They're, influencers? Because I know they can make like seven figures. Um, I don't know if a lot of people make like if they make quite that much, but I will say that the, there are some book tubers, book YouTubers that I fo- have followed, and I don't really. There's some really famous ones that I don't necessarily follow, like. Their reading tastes really well. Sometimes they come out with, like, a lot of good ones, but I, it just is always interesting to me to see what people are reading. But they have, like, you know, one to four million subscribers. And, like, based off of YouTube income alone, like, they get a video that has two million views. Like, that's, like, $20,000. Like, I think—and and they're being sent books, 
often. So even like even some of the the people that I've seen that only have a following of like ten to fifteen thousand, like they're still being sent books um, to read. And Interesting. Even if they're not being paid to read the book, and it's just p- publishers sending a free book, you know, t- for mm-hmm. them to read. I think that um, I think I think people are making. An income, like I would say, maybe not a hundred k, but like a pretty healthy income. Yeah, like without having to do other side hustle. Yeah. Well, power to you. I I hated that book. It made me angry when I saw it. As I'm like, there's so many amazing books out there that are not getting any recognition, and this, this. (laughs) No, I thought that too. I thought that too. Well, it was it was it was even like, I think last year. Was it last year? When did we read it? Was it 2020 or 2021? Well, we've only been doing this for a year, right? Oh. Yeah, you're right. Okay. We started talking about it in 2020. It was a year But we hadn't recorded in February. Right. Okay. So it was last year. I think Goodreads had the Maidens um, listed as like in their top five mysteries and thrillers of all of the mysteries and thrillers, which is, like, again, not my favorite genre, but, like, of all of them, that book yeah. somehow managed to be in the top five, which is based off of user reviews. I was really surprised. I just – it's, it's like, an objectively bad book. I just bad am surprised. Book. Yeah. Yeah. I always, like – I think I've told this story a couple times on the podcast, but uh, last year my mom and I went and saw Fran Lebowitz speak and love her, and she – I think it was in an audience question. Maybe they asked her. I don't know what the question was, to be honest. I just remember her saying how she just read this book by that was new and out and popular, and it was awful. She's like, it's just the worst book, and I won't name it because even writing a bad book is an accomplishment. Like, yeah. Because she's like, I'm a writer, and I haven't written anything forever. Like, it's just writing is hard. Yeah. So I'm not going to knock anyone publicly, like, who wrote something and published something. Like, good for you. But it was awful. And I'm always like, I wonder what book. Like, I just want to know so badly what book she was talking about. And yeah. in my fantasies, this is the book she was talking about. But I don't even know how super. I mean, you know, there's a lot of books that get a lot of notoriety. So anyway, rant over. Yeah. I, I really, well, I really like the, we're on a good book roll. We it's are. Been, it's been good, I think. Good I hope you guys have, have thought so too. Cause like we put a lot of thought into what we pick and, yeah. you know, want it to work out. Although every now and then, I guess like, we had a fun time bashing it, I suppose. So yeah, I mean, it, all, it was it still fun. I, I do like to roast things occasionally. You know, that's oh, why like this is this is why I tell Brian that I love just going to see movies. And in some ways, I think it's more fun when the movie is terrible. Um, Have you seen the new Top Gun? No, I've heard good things, though. Have you seen it? Is it bad? Um, I don't I don't know. I don't want to say it's bad. Uh, yeah. Kendrick and I went and saw it on like a day date. That was fun. And I mean, it was entertaining. I thought the the flying was very cool to watch yeah. like the action of it all it was obviously really obviously how long you know it was a lot into it and I think it was fun mm-hmm. but I over time I, I have come to not really love military movies that much or like ones that focus on it and oh yeah I mean and I think just topically what's going on right now it made it hard for me to appreciate it too I don't know I had all sorts of I'm all in my feels about the world right now and so it's like affecting everything I do sometimes which is good but um anyway it was entertaining I kind of feel that way even it wasn't 
I don't think it was, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I get kind of weary too of like Tom Cruise. I don't know. I just, I just don't like it when he, he periodically, because obviously he's like this huge movie star, and he'll always be a huge movie star, frankly. But I think that like sometimes he'll come out with well, these he's movies. He's handsome and he's charismatic, like for sure. Right, but he also is, you know, like part of a cult and is very high up in that yeah, cult uh-huh. and like has a lot of influence in it. And um, I think sometimes when he comes out with these movies that are also really based in nostalgia which Top Gun is. I think we're in, like, 80s nostalgia mode um, and have been since, like, 2016. But, like, I think that... um, I think I get a little worried. I think people get, like, really back into, like, the Tom Cruise, like, fandom a little bit, and they forget, like, that outside of all that charm is, is, like, somebody who is definitely a part of something, I think, that is uh, pretty dark and nefarious. So... I mean, soapbox time. He's done some like, like kind of cr- wacko kind of stuff. Like, mm-hmm. and I think it's interesting how quickly that is forgotten when it comes to nice, handsome white males. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just on my soapbox here a little bit, but there's so many things. Like, I mean, not even just women, people of color like, that have done where it's like you make one false move and you're out of there. Mm-hmm. And. But for some people, I don't know. The whole thing right. is, I'm on my soapbox. We can... No, but it's... I'm in a mood tonight, man. But we've, like. been, we've been in a mood for since the last time we recorded. But it's for good reason. It's for good reason. I, but I think, too, like, I think there's you see the same kind of thing with certain white women in Hollywood, especially, like, when they're really deep into it. Like, I was thinking about the same thing that I feel with Tom Cruise of, like, how I'm weary that people, like, forget about his influence in, you know and all of that but like I also think about like Elizabeth Moss and how uh, like hypocritical it was I think that she um, was in The Handmaid's Tale Mm. you know which is what it is and but then she's also part of a cult like I just find that like that just that there's a disconnect there you know and I kind of it's one of those things where I I wish that she could have been more confronted about it when she was doing like press for The Handmaid's Tale and stuff like that. And I wish that people would be more confrontational a little bit in talking to Tom Cruise about his experiences and um, and his role and his influences. And obviously he can't talk about a lot because as we all know, they're like really secretive. But um, I don't know. I just I think people I think people need to be a little bit more ballsy about asking about stuff like that, especially when I think it's like really goes against, like, the work and the art that they're trying to make. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, it does. It's such an interesting argument, like, I, I feel like of our discussion, you know, what what artists, like, responsibility is as, like, public figures or, like, what are, like, do you yeah. have responsibility when it comes to, you know, I mean, like, that's their private religion, but then, like, should they speak up about, like, it's just, like, how do you use your voice, and what's your responsibility, and what's okay, like, I don't know, I don't know any of the answers, I I think it's an interesting, like, discussion, and then it gets me into the, like, you know, when you know things about people, can you still like their art, and what does it mean to support their art, and, like, it's, like, a whole, yeah, such tough questions, like, every time my kids are like, I want to be an adult, I'm like, no, you don't. No, you don't. It's <laughs> you so hard. Do not. It's so you hard. You do not. I don't know. I, I know nothing. 
I like, think, I know nothing. Yeah. I mean, I don't know anything, but I think that when it comes to art and like the questions of like what ethical standards should, should artists be holding themselves to, I think maybe the number one thing is like to maybe not be hypocritical about their art. Like to me, I think sure. I would feel like yeah. really gross. Like I remember um, when Manchester by the Sea came but they out. Don't, they don't think like when you're truly in it. Like she doesn't think that she's being. You know what I mean? Like she doesn't right. see. But it's the. Ne- but it's. Like, I'm not justifying just, like, it. I'm just saying too, though. Like because I was thinking about you know when when Manchester by the Sea came out, and people were saying all that stuff about Casey Affleck being like an abuser. That he like I think he had like an ex come forward saying that he was abusive, and a bunch of people were like, well, he should not be nominated for an Oscar. He shouldn't get any kind of reward. Um totally fair I would have had an even I think more difficult time with him having been maybe in a movie about domestic violence do you know what I mean like I think that there's like even like a further level of like hypocrisy that I think Mm. personally drives me crazy that I'm like come on sure like you when you're being it's hard for you to yeah where it's hard for me to be like you're just being obvious now like you can't like you should separate yourself here a little bit more. I think that's like, I don't know. That's kind of my line too. But I don't know. I was talking to somebody at work about it and they were like, I think you can enjoy that stuff like when they're dead. And like when you're not giving them any. <laughs> so once they die, it's fine when they're not profiting off of it. Yeah. Right. Right. Like it's like I have no problem like having their kids profit off of my fandom. But. I have a problem with them profiting off of my fandom. It's kind of how I feel about Woody Allen, actually. Like, I won't go see a Woody Allen movie, but I'll still watch the ones that I love that I already own. Does that make sense? I can't even. It does make sense. I have, like, yeah, it's hard. It's just a hard. I I was thinking about that with, like, R. Kelly, how he was just sentenced Mm -hmm. uh, to 30 years and, like, that documentary, I thought the interesting part, one of the really interesting parts was, like, that I, like, the people who supported him and then how do you support that now? And mm-hmm. so it's just lots of questions that I do not have the answers to. Nobody but, does. Um, no. Um, but maybe we should, we should move on to our book. Oh, or I've already what? almost done with our libation. Yeah. We spent like an hour chit chatting before this and then we still, what it were like 30 minutes in. How, how far, how long have we been it's ranting about? It's fine. It's fine. I'm almost done with my libation. We're only okay. Like, it's almost gone. If it Look makes you feel better, anything left. If it makes you feel better, we're only 20 minutes in. So like, okay, we're not well, that what's, far. What's, what are you drinking? What are you drinking? Because I'm so, almost done with mine too. So <laughs> I made a, a alcoholic smoothie. So nice. I've got peaches, mango, uh, bananas, and strawberries, and then I put some uh, coconut rum in there. Oh, that sounds really good. It's good. I'm almost done with it. Yeah, so it must be delicious. <laughs> yeah, I felt like a smooth. I haven't been one. I haven't been able to really eat anything. Also, oh. I like lost five pounds in like three days. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, which isn't a lot, but like I wasn't planning on that. I don't know. Right. So I just haven't been able to eat anything. And this smoothie sounded is like the first thing that sounded good. So it's like, well, I'll throw some rum in there. Why not? <laughs> well, hey, whatever so, works. I think that's it's good. working for me. Well, I think it's funny that I'm almost done with my drink. So you can't like see it <coughs> to appreciate it. But um, I did see it. It was very pretty. Yeah, I 
you know, I really felt the pressure from the last couple Good, episodes. because you have been slacking. You have been slacking the last couple episodes. So I'm very <laughs> glad that you stepped up. I saw it and I was like, oh, he's got a pretty glass. There's there's like some ombre going on there. Uh-huh. It looks somewhat tropical. Sadie stepped up her game. I finally. stepped up like, my you've game. You've been a little, little lazy. So I, yes, I have been. So I don't even know what to call it, but I am having a drink that is primarily made of like orange, pineapple, and mango juice. And then with um, lilac syrup, like simple syrup, lilac infused simple syrup that my coworker made for me. And then, yeah, it was really sweet. She has like huge lilac bushes and she's like, oh, there's, you know, they only last for like a week, you know, after they bloom. And so she made a bunch of cuttings and she made a bunch of syrup and it's really, really good. And then um, it also has some Luxardo uh, liqueur. So it's like the maraschino cherry liqueur. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then a maraschino cherry and then a little bit of lemon juice. And it's really okay. good. You will be totally redeemed if... Not only now that you've had that drink, because that sounds amazing, but you need to like post, do a little post. Okay, so it's really sounds great. So this is great that you said that because I made a video of us making it. Perfect. So that will be posted on Instagram. So if anybody wants to give it a name, let's call it. Let's call it the Narcopolis. The Narco. Okay. Perfect. Great. Okay. So there's your there's your drink, the Narcopolis, and um. Uh, yeah, you need to post it because that, and then you will be redeemed, and I shall never give you shit again. Um, don't hold yourself to that, sweetie. Like I'm pretty sure you will. Well, I mean about <laughs> the drink, not period. Shit, I yeah, not not like about anything. I of course will still give you a hard time, um, but I mean specifically about the drink thing. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see if you can do that. We'll see what happens uh, like a year from now if you've never given me shit about having just like. Oh, honey, I am a can of wine. I will, I will do it. Okay. okay, I will do it just to do okay. that. I told you so. I can go a year. I can commit to a year. Okay, okay. Well, right. commit anyway, to a year. Okay. You're you no mean, longer allowed to give me any shit about my drinks. About your drinks. Once you do the post, all right. Then, then the clock starts. Okay. Um, okay. That sounds delicious and yeah, sounds like a great, great drink for. Our, our book, because I think we didn't really touch on it a ton, but like he, I mean, we did. We talked about a lot of things, including what a, I feel like, great writer he is. Like, I just yeah. love the prose. But, and just how we did, we did. We talked about how through his descriptions, like, it, it just was also, you could just see it all, right? Like, it yeah. just, he really set this, like, you were in this environment and I, I felt like it was smoky and I could smell things and hear the thing. Like yeah. it was it's just such a visceral book. Like I really loved his prose and it makes such sense, you know, that he's a poet and a musician. I think you really I think he's really get that out of this. And I think he's really precise with his words too, because um, I, I know I said this last time too, but he, I, I love how he manages to really like build this environment um, in this world without, I think, being overly descriptive. Like, he doesn't need to go on and on and on about, like, how everything no, is. Yeah. He knows for just you to what know to talk about. Is. Yeah. Yeah. It's like he knows just what points to hit. Like, it's almost like a, a paint by number or something. Like, he knows just, mm-hmm. just where to direct your attention to then get this complete picture. 
Yeah, I have to say, I have to say, I really loved this book, but the last half of the book just oh, yeah, kind of... we just did books one and two. Yeah, books one and two. So we pretty much ended... Oh, I'm trying to remember. But mostly what the first half of the book focused on was like kind of well character we, history a little bit for Mr. Lee and for Dimple mostly. Yeah. And then we leave off with basically Dimple leaving. Yeah. And Mr. Lee like it right. kind of was like the end of Mr. Lee's story. Mr. Lee up dies. To that point and, and then she yeah. she goes she leaves like the brothel and she goes and stays basically with Rashid specifically. Yeah. Um, at the at the opium house or the opium Whatever you Den. Want. I can't remember what they called it. Yeah. Den. Yeah. And and yeah, and then she kind of becomes a mistress, I for lack of a better term, yeah. to Rashid or Rakim and like lives there. And then it just goes more into everyone's story and the narrator and they all kind of go to like a rehab of some sorts or kind of have to like they try to leave the life basically. Um, but the, I mean, too. This is this is like over the course of like twenty years, too. Like because yes, like yes, we yes. start in the seventies, and then like the later and in the half, like, it's it's all of a sudden ninety two, you know, and it's it's like a very yeah, different. So it's world. over time. Well, and, yeah, and which is really interesting too. Well, it, I like the jump in. I liked the jump in time a lot. I did too, and then also just seeing how um, like the different. The way that different drugs and kind of like this and yeah. like the the way that that changes the community and also like people's health and people's addiction, um, it just and kind I of. I think he makes good note of where that comes from, like oh why, yes. why it's basically. I mean, it goes from opium to you know due to the like drug war altogether, mm-hmm. um, and then just like all the different social and political dynamics, like and they end up getting. Like the, like basically lethal, immediately lethal drugs, like the the shit that, you know, these other countries don't want. Yeah. So then it's, uh, so they go from opium to this to heroin to some off sh- like shoot, like mm-hmm. I don't know what uh, maybe like fentanyl is the closest thing I would think to describe it. I don't know. I'm not very yeah. well versed in. I mean, neither am I. I'm like I'm not super well versed in in this kind of world, but. Yes, they get um, this drug. So uh, here it is. Here it is. They so this is how it's explained. Um, so first off, there's like a drug that is also called chemical, is what they call it, um, which yeah. is like Maybe a think like meth. Um, yeah, like it's like another mixture that they use, kind of though that's special. So. Um, Sit down, he said, and I'll explain it to you. So this is Salim, um, and he's explaining to Dimple kind of what's going on with the drugs. He said, Gurad comes from Pakistan. Gurad, you know what it means in Urdu, waste. This is the unrefined shit they throw away when they make good quality mal for junkies in rich countries. So that's heroin. Um, but it's yes. the unrefined shit that's kind of left over. Even the worst junkie in America, Shamerica, wouldn't touch Gerard. That's why the packies send it here. We buy it happily and ask for more. And to give it a special kick, we add more shit to it and call it chemical. Now, you might say this is some kind of special ingenuity, a skill to take bad shit and make it worse. But I'll tell you what it really is. We're Katernock sister fuckers, all of us. We deserve to die. We're only happy when our heads are touching the floor and we're praying to the God of Gerard. We deserve to die. 
Dimple told him to speak for himself. I don't want to die, she said. Not today. I've got things to do. Tell me why chemical is freely available when there are no tomatoes in the market. Because, Dimpy dear, the city belongs to the politicians and the crooks, and some of the politicians are more crooked than the most crooked of the crooks. Drought sales are protected. It doesn't matter that it comes from Pakistan. They'll make speeches about Muslims and burn our homes and shops. But this is a multi-core business, and in Mumbai, money is the only religion. They're not stupid. Now tell me something. What are you doing here? Dimple nodded. The world is ending. She said anything can happen to anyone at any time. And I do, I like, I loved that kind of rant, you know, and explanation because, well, like, it's interesting to think about these characters talking about it, but I also think it's useful to, like, explain to the reader what's going on here. And um, the way that it's, like, truly is this worldwide system that, like, people don't realize is worldwide. Like, like I think people don't really realize how far-reaching um, – this world goes, you know, and like, I think, I think kids, you know, at college parties, for example, are doing a bunch of drugs and they're not really thinking about like how it got to them and like all of everything that goes into that. And, um, I really liked that this book paid attention to that. And also in the ways that like good stuff versus bad stuff is, um, Kind of the privileges, too. Like, it's it's almost like another privilege of, like, living in another country, you know, of, like, what countries deserve good shit, I guess, which is, like, a horrible way to look at it. But, you know. Yeah, I think he, he makes a good point to that. I think he really—I I like— I, I think he did a really good job of not, like, glamorizing addiction, but also not—but also giving all these characters such a well— rounded like just I mean I just think there were so many things to love about these characters and they were just really real people and I think that it brought an empathy and another way to, for me at least another way to look at addiction like you know I, I think it it's interesting what he talks about in the book where he talks about almost um, I can't remember if it's the narrator talking about it or not I'd have to look it up but I think maybe it was Dimple. But anyway, something about, you know, that the addict is almost possibly the freest of people because they know what addiction is. Oh, like it was Dimple. What it does. But then they, that's right. And then, but then they still continue to do it. And like, maybe that's an actually an example of free will. And so I just think it's interesting. But then it also shows, you know, like what they're a slave to. But then it just kind of also digs it back to, I think it just, he keeps flipping it on its head. And, and I think yeah. I read that he... You know, and it's talked about in the book, too. We talked about it last time, this idea of honoring the dead and especially in, in that culture and, like, talking about people. I mean, we just, you know, with ancestor trouble, mm-hmm. just this idea of keeping people alive by, like, talking about them and f- how important photographs are and written words and stories. And, like, I, you know, he, he lived this life. He was a heroin addict. And there really was a opium den run by someone named Rashid yeah. in, like, this time period. And, um, you know, I, he, he went there and he said like, and he knew Rashid and like, that was a person that was important to him. And like, this is kind of his way of keeping, I'm sure it's not just Rashid, but a lot of people in his life alive. And like, yeah, you know, and I, I think especially when people die because of things that are hard for us to handle. So, you know, suicide and addiction and 
things that are difficult or it's not a peaceful, what we assume death should be. Like, I think it's hard to reconcile. And a lot of times people are blamed. And so like, they're not remembered as much, you know what I mean? Like, it's oh, not as okay to celebrate, think, to celebrate them. I agree. And well, I, th- so I think something that's interesting about this book in the way that it plays with like the culture and history of in- India specifically is um, I think if they talk about the caste system mostly, I think in the first half of the book, but, and they don't talk about it at length. They talk about it like they would to each other because they're all very much aware. So there's not really an explanation of what's going on, but one, um, there's a group of people and it's not just one group of people. It's just this more of like concept of these people are, are the untouchables. And it's people that are of such low cl- caste um, mm-hmm. that they're called the untouchables and they are really treated like they're disgusting, like disgusting. And it's for really no reason. It's just historical. I mean, you could it's, it's so much to the point that you like their last name tells you whether or not they're an untouchable, not even their career. So, um, yeah, there's a great like through line NPR episode, uh, podcast that talks about this. It was yeah. fascinating. Yeah. But I think that this is really interesting because I think this book in a lot of ways is a, about people and characters that I think our country treat as untouchable. Like, and yeah. I don't mean that in the way like that they um, cannot be changed or something, but I think people are so weary or disgusted or don't understand and in a way don't understand them. And then like their lives are valued so little, you know, to the country and to the nation. And like there is so much work being done right now in the United States to change that and to help make like addicts safer you know, and to acknowledge that it's an illness and that they need treatment and help. And they and, and that doesn't necessarily mean that treatment is cold turkey. It means that they have a safe place to do it if they need to do it to get well. And um, I th- but I think that that concept of like somebody being an untouchable because of something is really interesting. And I think it's definitely the way that addicts are treated. I don't know if I agree with you that this book wasn't completely I don't think it was completely like romanticizing this world I but I don't think it doesn't ever romanticize any of it like I don't don't think it doesn't ever but I think that I think that oh sorry finish your thought sorry um I didn't mean to do that no it's okay I just I I wouldn't say it does like I don't think I don't know I lost my train of thought but I I'm so sorry I'm so sorry that was so rude I just got so excited to talk about it again so sorry no you were saying that you don't agree that it doesn't totally romanticize it like I think that he does romanticize it a little bit Um, I don't think that that is super avoidable with this type of literature though Um, but I think but and a lot of it that I will say is dependent on the reader. So I think that somebody could read this and be disgusted and appalled. I think somebody could read this and be mm-hmm. like, oh, fuck, I want to go. I want to go good there. Point. And um, But I think that he does a good job of humanizing the people that are involved, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and showing that like their lives are still valuable, even if their lives are only valuable to each other. And I think that that, like— you see that with the relationship between Dimple and Rashid as well. We talked a lot about her relationship with with Mr. Lee before, but I think her her latter relationship and like the latter part of her life with Rashid as his mistress um, 
there's there I think was a lot of like emotion and and love there even though there's this really great scene where they say like you know that they would never really said those words to each other but like I think he dreams it or something Mm -hmm. that she says those words to him there's something like that and it's um and I just I thought that was really beautiful but like these people could can be consumed by their addictions but they're still people that are capable of love and grief and all of those feelings that I think people forget you know like I think sometimes you look at an addict and all you see is an addict and I love that this book shows that they're more than just their addictions even though that addiction is consuming them yeah no I think that I think those are all good points I think a lot of it you're right like it just it also just depends on your own viewpoint coming into reading this kind of literature like I think I didn't feel that he romanticized addiction at all I felt that he and I don't even want to say romanticized I feel like he wrote about like these people and this place and this country and this like all the things as someone who really lived it loved it and missed it like like almost like a Mm -hmm. nostalgia of a sort Uh, because that because Mm -hmm. and I think that's represented in the time jump right it's like the the Mm -hmm. Bombay um, at the time of the that 70s time period is nothing like it is now. And I mean, that's true for anything, right? But like, it's such this stark right. difference. And I think one that, you know, changed, because not only like for his life did that change and you can, outside of like the drug stuff, like at the time, Bombay was so, you know, it was kind of this mecca of like new ideas and art and like it was far more liberal and it didn't have it like, it just changed a lot in the 80s. Like with, poli- you know, same yeah. You can look at a lot of places like that. But anyway, uh, I, I think he really, there was like this nostalgia. So I, I didn't look at it as like romanticizing anything, but I think he really did bring out the beauty of everything. And then they're just, it just happened to be like the people that he knew were addicts. He was an addict and like, so I, and the narrator is. And so I think it's like, that's just the world yeah. we're in, but it's still this beautiful, meaningful world, even though it's this world of addicts is kind of how, <clears throat> that, but like that was my viewpoint on it. But I totally see what you're saying. I mean, it is, it is written. It's not a grimy I mean, it's, like it's drug the same th- book. I, but, like it's not. There's. I don't think it was grimy, even though there's a lot of things in it that are not pleasant. And you know, and it talks about the monsoon season. I mean, I like will. It, will smell like it's not. I don't know. But it, it just all felt very love, like lovingly presented to me. I mean, I. Mm. I mean, yes, I don't I don't disagree with that. But I will say that, like, the last half of the book and maybe it's because there's one of the characters Uh, that I really didn't like at all. And Mm -hmm. um, it's Rumi. Oh, yeah. I do not like Rumi. I like the stuff about him. I just Mm -hmm. was appalled. I truly was appalled by. And it was stuff that I was like, okay, Sadie, are you being like a judgmental like prude and like no these are like this is objectively wrong stuff like he's he's not a good guy he's a very violent like not yeah he's not not healthy individual no and i think i think that this last part was a little harder for me to like feel maybe that sense of beauty still in the world and in some of these people because it almost it almost made me feel nostalgic for mr lee 
and Deadpool just <laughs> Sim- in their opioid times. Simpler times, simpler times, and simpler the times den, when it was just sharing just stories and pipes gets real. And, and they're not, you know, just shoving needles into their veins. You know, like it's like like it's it's also I mean, which is a whole other thing too of like getting into. Um, the way that different drugs are treated and how, like, different methods are treated as better or higher quality or something, too. Like, like I think that's also something interesting about that is it really does feel like the world change changes and that things do get darker um, when heroin comes onto the scene and um, versus opium. And I think that that is true. I mean, I think you see that in the characters. A lot of it is because they're getting older. But um, like Dimple, I think at one point makes this observation that um, she and both she and Rashid are like falling apart, like their bodies, you know, like that they are so unhealthy. They've lost all this weight. They can't find good veins. Like they are losing their teeth. Like I think she says Rashid is like losing his teeth or something. And and there's like this physical kind of um more so than just being an addict, but like this toll that you you're seeing being taken. And um it's maybe that would have happened anyways, but it does seem that like now that these newer these new drugs and these new like configurations that people are coming up with with these drugs um, and these, like, impure, I guess, drugs, too. Like, I think that that is an interesting notion of, like, how that's affected the world and the city and, like, those communities as well. But, no, so, like, this book really did kind of make me feel almost nostalgic in that way of, like, just thinking about how the different drugs and, like, how um, heroin... And, like, the way that these, you know, drugs are being kind of, like, mixed together and changed a little bit to have different potency or different results and stuff and how that changes the community. Because I think that there is, like, a physical effect that you see in some of these characters after those drugs are introduced into the scene. Yes. Like, especially, um, uh, like, Dimple and Rashid, like, they both have pretty dramatic weight loss. You know, she talks about how, like— their shell, like I think she even says something like that they are shells of like what they were before, and um, and it's interesting too because like it's the way that people talk about the drugs in the later half of the book is really different than how they talked about it at the beginning. Like I feel like it's disagree with it or not, I feel like there was like a level of almost like respect and appreciation for like pure good opium at the beginning and people were really like almost methodical about how it happened like especially with like using those pipes and trying to make it almost like a whole experience but then I think later on it's like people are doing drugs that they hate and that they despise and that um I I find that interesting. It seems like the whole culture of these dens and these, like, drug houses really um, completely shifts. Yeah, totally. And and I think that it – I mean, I guess we were kind of talking back and forth about the idea of, like, is it romanticized or or whatever. And I think that 
even if some of it you could make the argument for, I think he does paint a very realistic picture of like what happens in the world and what changes in the world and what the drug world is, is like, you know, I mean, obviously he lived it. And so I mm-hmm. think he has a very realistic view from his, like, I guess, I guess I feel like he kind of put, you get to see all sides of it, if that makes yeah. sense. Like, like, I think it's societally through individuals, all that. It's definitely like, um, it's this, the reader's going to come at it with what the reader's going to come at it with, right? Especially if you know what the book is about. Yeah. Like, I think that um, there is a lot of stuff in here that would make you never want to set foot in one of those places and would make you never want to <laughs> put those drugs in your body. Like, there's one scene at the at the end, like, I think it kind of flips back and forth maybe between Dimple at... Um, at rehab and then into like Rumi and these other characters at the den. And I mean, the descriptions are really gross, like talking about how they're sick and like people are shitting in the street and like shitting themselves in the bathroom and like throwing up and like, like the scenes of how they're waiting for the guy to shit out the drugs. Yes. You know, like a really (laughs) disgusting stuff. Right. But, um, So I think he's good at, like, putting that stuff in there. But then, of course, like, I do think that there are scenes that if somebody were to read this and were looking for some type of, like, glorifying experience, they're going to find it. Like, in the end, um, and that's kind of a, that's just up to the reader, really. I Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, you see that happen a lot, too. Like, I, I mean, I'm not super familiar with, like, this kind of brand of literature like we talked about that last time but I am familiar with like the beats and I'm familiar with the way that people treat those poets and writers and I've definitely have uh gone to many an English class with a lot of people who really idolized you know like in a really disgusting kind of level I think personally I love the beats but I think like the way that people idolized the 60s and the 70s in that way which there was great stuff going on back then in the 50s and 60s but like especially the drug scene I think that some people really like get way too into it and um I think people like that are into that stuff are going to going to look at this book and they're going to like wax nostalgic as well of how they wish they could go to an opium den in the 1970s you know in india like which i get i get i kind of wish i could go to an opium den in the 1970s in bombay i mean i want to see okay well actually i the thing is though is that that's a that's a topic in the book that i think is really problematic you know, I think oh, yeah, he brings it up like th- about these like white tourists that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. I, th- I think he I think it's there are certain things that it's a harsh reality, but that are I mean, you could never experience this because this isn't your experience. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's some things that like you just you can't get like that's the thing about nostalgia is mm-hmm. it's never it's never really real. Does that make sense? Like you can't really get that feeling back there's like new feelings and then there's some things mm-hmm. like you just can't experience at this you can't level. quite so I think grasp he kinda, it yeah I think he kind of points that out a little bit too and like I don't think he's trying to make it like a a waxing nostalgia for like you know but just to hey this there it was a lot of beauty and like I mean he's not a he's not still a heroin addict right like he's right. you know so it's like there's he it's not that this is the life to lead but this is a life that is that led. People lead. 
Yeah. And that, and it, there, he, you know, was just pointing out what was beautiful and what was meaningful and, and just the human experience in general, being able to look at it this way and, and have these stories and like art, like it's, it's not all pretty, like when you look at it on its own, but it's well, like no. as this whole human experience. I mean, I don't expect anything like that to be pretty. I guess I would just say I think the stuff that is beautiful about it has nothing to do with the drugs. And so it has to do with just humans being humans and having connections. And so I would just say that I think that some people could read it as the drug scene being like having beautiful aspects to it. But really it's just like the people that are connecting to each other that's beautiful. And I think that's seen in any community, yes. even if it's a an, a community that's really looked down upon. But I think that yes, like that... human connection is beautiful. It sucks that we yeah. try so hard to like yeah. limit it. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, well said. Yeah, I think I that the tourism thing though is really interesting because I think that mm-hmm. um, there's such privilege... Right. And being able to be like a tourist or a bystander or like a temporary member of a community like this when you're just going to go home like two weeks later and you're going to be fine and you're never going to have to like deal with the repercussions really. And um, I think that happens a lot. Like I think that – Oh, sure. People, There's like a whole, I can't remember the term for it, but it's like especially like white people that go to, you know, trips to Africa and take yeah. pictures with people and post them on their Instagram. And it's like, yeah, there's, it's a, it is a slippery little Well, and also, slip. and also it's like disrespectful to the people in the room in a way. Like I think there's one character that they talk about. It was in the first half, I think, technically. But um, there was like a, some famous film director's son who was making a movie and in the movie there was going to be an opium done so he decided mm-hmm. to go and he's just like this I love really this. This a good scene it's such a great scene but he's like such a pedantic annoying person you know and he's like yes kind of i mean there there's a level of like taking advantage of these people and also like using this situation for, um, it, it, it Xavier? Which, which chapter? Is that what you're saying? Oh, no. Like, wasn't it, are, you're not talking about Xavier, are you? No, although I have a lot of thoughts on Xavier, but no, there's like another scene where it's, it's a film director's son. It's like, it's oh, like only for right. like a paragraph or something, but they talk about how just annoying he is and how, um, everybody in the room is just kind of like, all right, like shut up because he's kind of using them he's just like observing i don't even think he uses but he kind of um it's it's kind of like trying to take advantage of like the vibes in the room it really you know this is like a really kind of weird thing to compare it to but it reminded me one time i went to a wake for a friend who had died and it was really sad and um but everybody, because he was, he, was, he was really young. and Awake for a friend who died. That's, that's what wakes are. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. So anyway, <laughs> that is, yes, okay. But Sorry, the it. point is that we were having this, like, party. It was like a concert and a dance party kind of in his honor. And it was the day after the funeral. And um, 
there was somebody there who showed up and like there were like a hundred plus people there and he was sitting on like a futon in this like room and was like writing stuff on his laptop and he was like trying to write like a short story or like poetry like based on the energy in the room and I thought it was so disrespectful like to take advantage of it in that moment. Like, if you want to go home and write about it, I guess, okay. But, like, he was, like, actively trying to, like, write about it. It almost seemed like kind of like it felt like a capitalizing on people's pain and suffering in that moment. And I think in that way, that character, that random character, who's like, oh, I'm going to make a film and there's going to be an opium den and I just really want to get the, the – uh, environment right you know I think that there is a level of that there as well of like this kind of like disrespect and capitalizing on it and also like ignoring I think what's going on in the room really like yeah I think he 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 makes some really nice pertinent like not jabs but like really like holds the mirror up to a lot of people and a lot of like aspects of society like as a whole like world society that like, yeah. I think he does it in a really nice way. I also thought that was really interesting in the scenes at the rehab center and when they're talking to Dimple and they're asking Dimple to like explain, you know, her feelings and like her thoughts on addiction. And they're so kind of like some of the responses that she gets are so self-righteous. Um and I just I thought that was a, those were really interesting scenes of her being at the um, at safer is what it's called and the stuff that people the way that people treat her um, like I think oh, yeah. that I, she's she's such a great character I know we talked about it last time too but mm-hmm. I just love Dimple like she gets this feeling of Carl Carl is this older Catholic fellow named Carl. Um, who's asking her questions and he asks her why do you like why do you take drugs and she talks about how she's and in that moment she's kind of still under the influence of this drug that they give her to try to help her it's like apparently a really I don't know anything about it but apparently it's a really controversial drug um, and was really experimental to try to like get her through um, her recovery and so she's still kind of under the influence of it so that she felt like she couldn't lie or she couldn't like be less than perfectly honest and she says um who knows there are so many good reasons and nobody mentions them and the main thing nobody mentions is the comfort of it how good it is to be a slave to something the regularity and the habit of addiction um the fact that it's an antidote to loneliness and the way it becomes your family gives your gives you mother love and protection and keeps you safe and then, you know, Carl tries – it, like, really pushes back on her quite a bit with everything that she says. And um, I thought that was really interesting of, like, too, of, like, I think people don't – and I feel this way as well. Like, I liked this book because it made me reevaluate how I look at people who are addicts and, like, the why of why they're addicted. And I thought that was really interesting of, like, people don't always, like – 
give space for the reasons why people are addicted or why they become addicted. Like you look they at hardly ever give space to it. No, well, and I mean, there are assumptions that people make that like people who are addicts are selfish and that they like are only in it for the pleasure in that moment and like that there's no other factor to it. I think people treat it like that a lot. But with Dimple, I thought this was interesting, especially where she mentions like it gives you mother love and protection and keeps you safe. And you look at her life and what happened to her from the time she was seven years old. She's like sold by her family. She like has no parents. She's castrated. Then she is pimped out from a very young age And, like, that is her life. And then the fact that, like, this substance can come into her life and give her very real comfort, you know, in that – in those moments. Um, Like, it just – I just – I love Dimple. I just really loved that part, and I just thought it was really sympathetic. But – yeah, it yeah. Should, I mean, the amount of vilification that's put on people who are addicts is is shocking to me. I mean, it's not shocking, but it is like it's just so I, like our empathy seems to go out the window in a lot of cases. And I think that it's not how can you look at someone like Dimple and not have empathy for that person? But there are people who, you know, who wouldn't. And especially because she's an addict, well, like it takes all that away. And also because it's nuanced. Like that's the thing is it's not like not every addict is Dimple. Like not every addict is as like likable and redeemable as Dimple is. It's the same thing with like the character Rumi. I hated the character Rumi. I think that that character is like not a good person objectively. And um, there were a lot of parts about that character that – Like, I had a really difficult time reading from his perspective. Like, there's racism out of him. Like, the way he talks about other people, the way he talks about women, the way he talks about sex, the way that he has treated women and, like, prostitutes and various, like, stories that he's telling in this book. I really had a hard time with him. And I think that's another thing of, like, again, why this book is so great is because it shows that the addiction itself and alone is not how you should judge someone. It's you have to take everything in. And it's not saying that you can still, like, maybe put trust in every addict that you meet, but, like, you should look at it as them as whole people in the same way that you do when you assess anybody's character and, like, trustworthiness. I guess that's what I'm trying to say because I, I, I think Dimple is like an exceptional character and I will protect her with my life. Um, but I <laughs> don't feel that way about every character in this book. Yeah, no, totally. I, I mean, it's great. It's does what all great literature should. I really, really yeah. enjoyed this one. Um, I, it, it far exceeded my expectations. I had high hopes for it, but I really, really liked it. Um, and yeah. started like looking at his poetry and stuff. I really like. Um, this author, I really loved his prose. So I hope, I'm glad you liked it too. Lots of, lots to like, think about, talk about. It's good. Definitely lots to think about. Definitely lots of like, I think this book will kind of like haunt me a little bit because I, I wouldn't say it uplifted me. Like, especially at the end, like it's not that it had an unhappy ending exactly, but like it 
I don't know. I didn't find it to be particularly uplifting. But I think that that is kind of a tenet of the novel as well. Like, I think a lot of these characters are haunted by, like, regret or by their addiction or um, by these people in kind of a way that maybe, like, this author is haunted by them a little bit, too, and, like, had to write this story Mm -hmm. um, to to kind of process that. And I I think this book is going to kind of be that way for me as well. Yeah, it was very affecting. Yeah. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed. And if you didn't read it, I hope after listening, you're inspired to go yeah. pick up a copy, read it, because it was really, really good. Um, so again, reminder, we're going to take a week off, and then we will be discussing The Mothers by Britt Bennett yeah. in a nice super size episode. And then after that, we'll be back to our regularly scheduled two episodes uh, discussing Woman of Light by Kali fajardo Anstein. Um so yeah, yeah, go pick up copies. Uh, I think we're we're gonna keep our trend going. We've, we've had some really good. Yeah, hopefully we good goes. I'm loving the loving the mothers so far. So I think based on what I've read, we totally are. So looking forward to discussing it, and hope you guys are enjoying. And we will talk to you next time. Yep. Bye. <laughs>